Good morning. Um, man, I'm so excited to be here with you guys this morning. Uh, I'm going to grab a Kleenex because, you know, you don't want to listen to me sniff the rest of the time. Calmly, if it didn't work, I'll fix it the other way. Um, Man, good morning. So glad to be here with you guys this morning and so glad to um, continue the series we started last week in Jesus' name. Um, Man, um, thank you. Yeah, that's good. Uh, Three people and me, we are excited about this. Um, Man, I just love... um, Love the series so far, love what God was saying last week and just praying for something amazing this week, but uh, I'll be honest, if you haven't figured it out yet, we're going to talk about prayer today, Um, and maybe like we hear that and we're like, I already know how to pray, like right, like we know the formula of prayer probably, maybe somebody doesn't, but for most of us, we know like when we pray, we like close our eyes and bow our head, right, because you've been taught that. And then you like start off with some greeting like, you know, Father God or Lord in heaven or whatever your thing is, right? And then you just start asking God for stuff, right? Father God, need a new car, a million dollars, and if you could heal my broken leg or, you know, like whatever, we ask for stuff. And I'll just be honest, there's nothing wrong with asking God for things. Uh, I even said last week, like, right, we get to do that. God acts. He loves to act. He's a God of miracles. I still believe that. He does things that nobody else has the power and the ability to do. That's our God. He's the one who spoke out the stars, and he's no less powerful today than he was then. And if he can do that, he can do anything we're asking for. And I believe that. But for many of us, and, you know, I say us because I've I've been here, I am here, you know, this is just what we know, right? But For many of us, what we do is we close our eyes and we start off with the greeting, hello, and then we just start, I need this and 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 then we're done. And have you ever like thought about that? Like is that really what prayer is? Doesn't it feel weird sometimes? Like you just close your eyes and you just start asking God for things and you're like, this is not, I don't know if this is right. I don't know if this is like what this is supposed to be. And then we even know, like, it feels weird because we don't feel like we're getting that prayer anywhere, right? Like, it's not getting beyond just us. It feels weird. And I started thinking about that, and, like, that just feels weird to me. And I think for many of us, we even know people, right, that, um, that are like that. They only show up when they need something, right? They come in, they're like, hey, I need this, I need this, I need this, and then they're gone. And then until they need something again, like, They don't interact with us again. Have you met those people? And those are not probably your favorite people on the planet, right? But isn't that kind of what we do to God? Father God, give me this thing, this thing, this thing, this thing, this thing. If you don't, I'm mad because I'm entitled. And then we're done. And I don't really think that's prayer. Actually, I've read about prayer over and over and over and over again. We've even talked about it before, and I don't really think that's prayer, but we don't really know anything else, do we? So for the next few weeks and last week, we're just going to talk about prayer, and we're going to not so much talk about the formula of prayer, but like what is prayer, and we're just going to talk about what Jesus says about prayer, because really if like it's not from Jesus, who really cares, right? My opinion on prayer doesn't really matter. 
Um, what I think prayer should look like, it doesn't really matter because prayer is not for me. Um, it's what God says. So this morning we're going to do that in Matthew chapter 6. So if you have your Bible, you can kind of flip that direction. And maybe you'd be shocked to know this morning we're not going to talk about again what we talked about last week, right? It's not we're just going to read the Lord's Prayer and talk about that. I'm sorry if you liked that. It's on the podcast. You can just go back and listen to it again. I don't have to do it again. We're going to do something else this morning. Um, but this section is actually right before that, and it's found in um, the Gospel of Matthew. And if you're not familiar with the Gospels, the Gospels are just these narrative stories of Jesus' life. They're narratives. They tell us about Jesus, what he did. Not everything, obviously, he did. It would take a lot more paper than that. We'd take a lot more books than that. But just kind of a snapshot of what Jesus did as he was here. And most of it deals with like the last three, three and a half years of Jesus's life. And here in Matthew um, 6, it's kind of contained in a section of scripture called the Sermon on the Mount. Runs from Matthew 5 all the way to the very end of chapter 7, and it's the longest uninterrupted section of teaching um, that we have in the Bible, where Jesus is just up on this mountain, and he's teaching these people uh, all these different things about um, really just who God is and how that relates to them. Now, I think that's kind of weird, because if you look at the audience in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, it's the Jewish people. The people really who are the most religious people on the planet. This Jesus has come and he's teaching religious people about what we would look at as religion, right? Here's how you should act. Here's how you should be. Here's how you should think. Here's what you should do. And why would he do that? Just think about it. Like, why, why would Jesus come to the most religious people and teach about religion? Or what we see as religion? And I just want to submit to you today, these people knew the formula for everything he was about to say. They knew how to pray. These are people that are God's chosen people among the whole world. Like God called out a people for himself. This is these people. And for years and years and years and years, this God has been teaching them about himself. They knew how to pray. They knew the formula of prayer. And if they knew the formula of prayer, why would Jesus waste time coming down and reteaching the formula of prayer? I don't think what Jesus is saying to us today is here's the formula of prayer. Here's the actions that you should do when you pray. Maybe there's a depth to it. Maybe he's not teaching a formula of prayer, but an attitude of prayer. So he starts off in five, and it just is titled, right, How to Pray. And he says, whenever you pray, it's assuming you pray, right? Not like if you pray or you should pray, but like whenever you pray. Now these are God's people, and God's people are supposed to be a praying people. Can I just say that today? Like I think that's maybe a revolutionary thought for some of us. God's people are supposed to be a praying people. He's not coming in and he's saying, you know what, you're God's people, and you've probably not thought of this before, but you should probably spend some time in prayer. It's assumed that God's people pray. <laughs> See, the truth of it is, is there, there's this thing that happens when we talk to God. It's really a miracle that we can even talk to God, right? Like that God who created everything would listen to us, that all we have to do is just start talking and we have God's attention. God has so many things to do, yet we can get the attention of God as simple as just starting to speak to him. That, that's a miracle in itself. But we use it to pray over sandwiches, God bless this food to our body. I'm not knocking that, whatever. If that's the only time you pray to God, then that's something. Probably not the goal, right? 
I think we should thank him for our food, but if that's our prayer life, that's weak. Um, not thank you, God, for waking me up this morning. Okay, I think we should thank him for that, but if that's your whole prayer life, that's pretty weak. Uh, not thank you, God, for keeping me alive today. That car almost got me at the Target as I was running in. You know, like, pretty weak, right? We know the formula of prayer, but is that what prayer is? So he just assumes here that God's people are a praying people, because why would you not be? God called you out among all the people on the planet. Why would you not want to talk to that guy? God saved you and redeemed you. He's called you. He loves you. Why would you not want to talk to that guy? Like, God's people should be a praying people. So he doesn't start off and he's like, hey, I know you're religious and I know you do the church thing and I know you know the songs. You should probably pray too. That's not, he's not going to waste time on that because people that have seen God talk to God. That's just how it works. So he says, whenever you pray, it's assumed. Not you should or you might or maybe that's something you should think about. Hey, when you pray. Because God's people are praying people. You must not be like the hypocrites. You must not be like the hypocrites. Now, he used this word one more time kind of up above this. He was talking about giving. Can I just let you in on a secret today? Hypocrites pray. It's possible for a hypocrite to pray. So you could, just because you pray, doesn't mean you're not a hypocrite, right? Like, it's possible today that we could be hypocrites. We could be these people that, you know, people out there, the world's figured it out. We've not figured it out yet. It's possible to be a hypocrite and to pray. It's also be possible to be a hypocrite and to give. You know why? Because it's in red, and Jesus said it, and Jesus wouldn't waste time on it if it wasn't true, right? So whenever you pray, he says, don't be like the hypocrites. Don't be a hypocrite. Now, when we hear hypocrite, what do we think? We think somebody who doesn't act how they believe, right? It's somebody who says they believe in God, but there's no reflection of that in their life except for maybe they come to church or maybe they dress the right way. It's people who say that I've met God and I know God, but my mouth is horrible and my actions are horrible. And through Monday through Saturday, I don't really care about God, but I'll give him an hour and a half on Sunday. And if you go an hour and 45, I'm going to be mad, right? Like those are lost. I'm just kidding. No, I'm not really kidding, but I'll just say it. Those are maybe lost people, but definitely hypocrites. I was going to pull back on that and just not, we don't need to, right? Let's be honest today. Those are maybe lost people, but definitely hypocrites. And he says, don't pray like a hypocrite. But that's not the phrasing of hypocrite that Jesus is using in that moment. He's using the word hypocrite, and it's in this culture, in this context, and the word he uses, what that is, is it's an actor in a play. In a Greek or a Roman play, an actor in a Greek or Roman play, somebody who's putting on a performance. And Jesus is saying to these religious people, hey, when you pray, it's not a performance. Prayer is not performance. Prayer is not an act. Prayer is not something we do to get congratulations or flowers thrown at us. It's not something we do so people pat us on the back. That's not what prayer is. It's the wrong attitude of prayer is what he's saying. Don't be an actor when you pray. Don't be an actor when you pray. Don't put on a performance when you pray. And you hear that, and, and you're like me. You kind of bounce it off like, okay, cool, thank you. But can I maybe just submit to you today that everything we know about prayer has been taught to us in this way? Everything we know about prayer has been taught to us in a very hypocritical way. What do you mean? Well, the idea that you can be a good prayer or a bad prayer 
isn't that hypocritical? Isn't that this idea of putting on a performance, that, that I'm, a, I'm a good prayer, I'm performing, or I cannot perform, therefore I'm a bad prayer? But how many of us have used that very same terminology? No, I don't want to pray out loud, I'm a bad prayer. Even if you won't do it, right? Like, isn't it still a performance? Like, I can't pray out loud because I'm afraid that I will not perform well. It's a hypocritical attitude towards prayer. I'll just say to you today, there's no ability to be a good prayer or a bad prayer. Have you ever, like, I'll just, maybe we can just do it this way, because we've probably grown up in this area, and we've probably encountered this. Have you ever been in one of those little prayer circles? You know what I mean? Like, where you, like, get in a group, like, and you, like, I would hold hands with you, and you'd hold hands with her, and then she'd hold hands with her, and you'd hold hands with her, and then we'd circle up, and, like, you'd be like, okay, who's going to pray first? (laughs) You did not want to be the first guy, right? Nobody wants to be the first guy. Because if you're the first guy, you don't get the time to sit there and think, like, what am I going to pray? I never wanted to be the first guy. I wanted to be, like, the last guy or, like, right in there. But it's, that's also a dangerous spot because what if the person before you is praying what you just prepared to pray? <laughs> right? So you had to kind of time it right and be in the, maybe in the middle. So you, maybe nobody would get your thing before you got. So the per- first person would start praying, and you wouldn't even be listening to what they were praying because you were like, trying to rehearse your prayer, right? Like, I'm, I'm going to start off with Lord Jesus up in heaven. That sounds, nah, it's too silly. Um, Father, nah, it's too standard. I need something great. Oh, God of earth and heaven. That's good. I'm going to start with that. And then I'm going to be like, you are holy. It's a good church word, holy. I don't know what that means, but I'm going to put it in prayer. And then um, you are mighty. I know what that one is. And you are savior and i'm so thankful right you just do the thing and you'd be you'd be like 17 words into your prayer and then somebody would be like holy and you'd be like ah i was gonna say that right like you're frustrated because what, what is that attitude right there what is that it's a performance attitude you're you're not praying right like when you're praying in that circle you're not praying like god just what do you want to say what do you what do you want like what do i what do you want me to do? Like, you're not worried about that. You're like, what is Billy going to like? Like, what's really going to get her? Man, that girl, she's cute. I got to impress her so she thinks I'm a man. I got, you know, like, you got that performance attitude of I got I to gotta impress these people. But here Jesus is like, man, that's not prayer. Can I just maybe even say to you the attitude that we have to impress God in prayer? Maybe when nobody's around. Isn't that a performance driven attitude i gotta use these words like when you some of you start praying maybe not some of you some of us i'll say that because i've done it before too when some of us start praying isn't it funny that we like automatically teleport back like 400 years (laughs) like right like we're we're a king james society if we've grown up in church until like five years ago you'd probably be burned at the stake if you had any other bible in knoxville um And and like when we pray, we've been conditioned to be like, oh, Father up in heaven, thou art the mightiest. (laughs) Thine is the, you know, like, and we would jump back into old English and we like, you don't even understand old English. Like we, 
we don't know what's going on there. We have no idea what's being said there. But like we're trying to like impress God with these words because if we're like if we don't have enough thou's in there, like God's probably not even going to listen to us. If we don't use these words that are over our head that we don't even know what they mean, like God's probably not going to. Isn't that also a performance-driven attitude towards prayer? So like we look at this and we're like, well, I mean, I don't perform in prayer. I don't even pray in front of people. Can I just say, you don't have to pray in front of people to be conditioned to pray like a hypocrite. Now, some of us do, right? Because it feels good. Like, we know, like, if there is a such thing as good prayers, we are a good prayer. Some of us know that. There's nothing wrong with that. Like, if you just talk like that, and that's how you do your normal speech, and and that's you, and, and that's how you talk with God when you're alone. Like, I'm not knocking any of that. Like, it's okay to say thou if you say thou. Like, if that's, if you're talking to me over the donuts, and you're like, man, thou art the coolest, um, would you like some of uh, thine donuts? You know, like, <laughs> I can't even do it, right? Um, if If you talk like that, then talk like that to God. I'm not knocking that. But if you don't, then why do you pray like that? Or like start off with like, God. You know, like your voice is not ever that low. <laughs> You've like never talked like that before. And just all of a sudden when you pray, like testosterone hits you like a tidal wave and you just, <laughs> like the lowest thing ever. Like how did you get down there? I've never heard that before. Isn't that a performance-driven attitude towards prayer? And then based off what Jesus is saying, like, isn't that hypocritical? Even if it's alone with you and God. In front of people or alone, it it doesn't matter if it's an act. And we can all be this, and maybe this is all we know. Actually, I would say maybe for most of us it is all that we know. And it's wrong. See, the truth of it is, there's no such thing as a good prayer or a bad prayer. There should just be prayers. And as long as you're talking to God, right, I think it's good. Maybe all you know to say to God is, God, I'm sorry. It's a good prayer. Maybe all you know to say to God is, God, I'm just thankful to be here today. Like, I don't know any of this stuff. Isn't it a silly idea that we could even impress God? Like God created everything, and you can impress him with language that he created by stringing the words together in the right way. I'll just say to you, Shakespeare couldn't pray a prayer that would impress God. What do we have to offer him when he made everything? And Jesus says in 5, whenever you pray, God's people, A, should pray, but when you do, it's not an act. And he gives us some examples. He says, don't pray like the hypocrites. And he's talking about not actors on a stage, but spiritual hypocrites. And he says, because they love to pray standing in synagogues and on street corners to be seen by people. Now you're like, I never do that. I never, I've never prayed in a synagogue before. I haven't either. You know, like maybe some of you have. I've never done that. Have maybe prayed on a street corner. Maybe. Probably not out loud. Because that would be weird for me. You've seen those people at Market Square. You think it's weird. I think it's weird. Right? <laughs> Let's be honest. 
I've never done that. He's not talking about me. But is he? Because it's not a process, right? It's an attitude. If I've ever prayed to be heard or to be seen, then I've prayed like a hypocrite. If I've ever prayed for an audience to be patted on the back, then then I've prayed like a hypocrite. Flip it. If I've ever not prayed in front of a group of people, because I don't think I would get a pat on the back, then I've been a hypocrite. If I've ever not prayed in front of people because I feel stupid, then I've been a hypocrite. And if I've ever alone at home prayed to God in a way that I thought I could impress God, then I've been a hypocrite. And I'll be honest, that's all of us. Every person in this room has done it in one way or another. Every person that's ever been to church for very long has done it in one way or another. We've all been hypocrites in our prayer because we've all grown up in a time that we think prayer is performance-based, that it's about a formula, it's about a thing we do, and some words we say, and that is not the heart and the attitude of prayer. This is all of us. And this is what Jesus says about people that pray in that way. I assure you, they've got their reward. The people they were praying to are the people that are going to answer that prayer. They got what they wanted. The pat on the back, that's the answer. I don't want to pray hypocritical prayers. You ever prayed a prayer and thought this isn't going anywhere? Maybe, right? Maybe. So like what's the alternative to that? Because here's the amazing thing about God. He never just leaves us with like, hey, you're doing it wrong. Isn't that amazing about God? See, God, he's not a condemner, he's a corrector. So if all you're hearing is you're dumb, you're an idiot, you've screwed it up, that's not the voice of God. Because that's not who God is. What did, what did he say right in John 3, 16? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not, be peri- should not perish but have everlasting life, right? And that's John three sixteen. What's John three seventeen? I didn't come into the world to condemn the world. It's Jesus, right? I didn't come here to condemn. It's already condemned. So if he's not a condemner, what is he? He's a corrector. God come to correct things, to set things right, to to flip things, to change things from bad to good. That's what God came to do. So if the voice that we're hearing is you're not good enough and you're never going to be good enough and you can't do this, that's not the voice of God. It has to be the voice of someone else because God doesn't, doesn't talk like that. God's a corrector. Hey, you're doing this wrong, but here's something we can do about that. But he's not a condemner. So here, in this moment, God just spoke to these religious people who, by the way, probably tuned him out a really long time before that. He talked to them because they were like, I know the formula, I don't need to know this. And he's not speaking about a formula, he's speaking about an attitude, just like he's speaking to us about an attitude, even if we shut it down. And, and, and we said, we're not hypocrites. And he says, but here's how you can fix it. But when you pray, don't pray like this, Pray like this is what he's saying. 
Uh, God's people are a praying people. It's okay if you've been caught up in the other thing, it's wrong, we can change it, is what he's saying. You've been hypocritical in your prayer, awesome, let's do something about it. I've pointed it out, I've showed it to you, Uh, I've shown you that it's not supposed to be that, now let's change it, is what he's saying. When you pray, when, when my people pray, when you pray, he says, go into your private room. Shut your door and pray to your Father who is in secret. This is what Jesus says. Words of Jesus, right? Jesus today is teaching us about prayer just like he was teaching them about prayer. And for some of us, we heard that and we're like, okay, formula. You know why? Because religious has infected our brains and we think everything is a formula and it's not really ever about a formula, is it? Um, and we heard that and we're like, you, you said you weren't doing a formula, but there's definitely a formula to, to get a closet or a room and then to go in it and shut the door and pray. And if you go home and do that today, thank you for praying, but you've missed the point. You've missed the point. There are lots of empty prayers coming out of prayer closets. It's possible today to go home, shut a door behind you, and start talking to God and still be praying hypocritical prayers, right? Because it's not a location thing. Like, like God's not like, I'm never going to answer a prayer that's prayed in church. Does anybody hear that and believe that? I don't. You know why? Because I've seen people pray prayers in churches that God has acted on. And if that's true, then this is not true. And Jesus is a liar. And he can't be the truth if he's a liar. So that's not what he's saying. I believe that God is the God who will answer prayers on a street corner. I believe that. I believe if we would, the church, just go out of here and just find people and pray for them, God would do crazy things. I believe that. Most of us won't do it because we won't think it's a good prayer, so... but I think he'd answer them. I don't think God's against churches or street corners, and I don't think he's necessarily just four rooms. It's an attitude, not a location. So what, what is Jesus really saying? Well, he's on paper saying to go get in a room and shut the door and pray. Some of us heard that, and you're like, that's legalistic, and I'm never going to do that. Well, you probably don't pray much. Fact. Okay, there's nothing wrong with it either. It's just hard to pray if you have a cell phone in your hand, and it's hard to pray if you're watching TV, and it's hard to pray if you're having a conversation, and it's hard to pray if you're knitting a sweater maybe. It's hard to do that because your focus is on what? Everything else that you're doing, not God. So I think God really does mean like, go get away from stuff and for some of us the only way to do that is to maybe even just move the clothes out of the way and sit in the closet and shut the door because that's maybe the only quiet place we're going to get and if that's what it is for you then that's exactly what he's saying on paper but maybe for some of you he's not saying go get a closet he's just saying go find a quiet place Go find an alone place. See, it's an attitude, not a location. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, get alone with God. Get alone with God. We talked about last last week with prayer. Prayer is a relational thing. Prayer is not some formula or thing we do. It's not some room that we go into. It's not some building we congregate in. It's not some circle we get in. Prayer is a relational thing. God set up prayer to benefit our relationship with God. 
And it's just even in like the idea of what prayer is, isn't it? Like we talk to God. Prayer is talking to God. People that you never talk to, you don't have a strong relationship with. That's just, that's truth today. If you, if you never talk to your parents, you don't have a relationship with your parents. If you never talk to your aunt in New Mexico, then you don't have a relationship with your aunt in New Mexico. You're related, right? Like there's some connection there, but there's really no relationship there. And for some of us, we're like, oh, I'm in God's family. Well, that's true, maybe. But what's the relationship like? Because that's really what matters more than I walk to the front of the room and I pray to prayer because you don't know if that worked or not, really, to be honest, if you don't have a relationship with him. The proof of revelation is relationship, right? Because in revelation, there's always a response. And if you don't have a relationship with God, then you probably aren't saved. Or at least you should question it. So what is Jesus saying here? He's saying that we should get alone with God. For some of us, we should go into a private room and we should shut the door, but there's this attitude here of I'm getting away from everything else. I'm going to leave everything else out there and I'm just going to get alone with God. If you're going to have a relationship with God, you have to find time to get alone with God. This is not going to be enough. Thanks for waking me up this morning. I'll talk to you tonight. This is not going to be enough. Thanks for that sandwich, God. I'll talk to you at lunchtime. I'll talk to you again at dinner. It's not going to be enough. There, if you're going to have a relationship with God, if you're going to speak with God, there has to be a time that we set apart intentionally to get alone with God. Right. You're like, I don't want to get into the routine. Well, you should get into the routine. Yeah. Make it routine. Yeah. Right? If 3 o'clock is the only time you can block off on your calendar that you can get alone with God, make it routine. Put it on the calendar. Tell everybody else, if my phone's over there, don't try to call me at 3 o'clock because I'm going to be with God. Because we have the power to do that. We can control our schedule. We've bought into this lie that we can't, but we can. We've just made other things more important because we don't see the value in spending time with God. We just don't see it. God's people don't pray enough because they're too busy. That's a lie. They don't pray enough because it's not valuable to them. Here's how I know. Because I have time to watch TV. Right? If I don't have time to pray, yet I have time to watch TV, that's an idol. Right? Because I've put that as more valuable than God. And that's a sin. TV's not a sin in itself. But if I've put that in the place of prayer, that's a sin. I have to spend time with blank. Who's more important to spend time with than God? If you can't chisel out 10 or 15 minutes to just sit alone with the Father, then there's an issue there, and you've put somebody on a pedestal. God's people don't not pray enough because they're too busy. They don't not pray enough because they don't see it as valuable. And Jesus is looking at these people that know the formula, that go to church, that have sat in a room, and they've prayed some things, and they've sang some songs, and they've whatever, right? And he's saying your attitude of prayer is wrong. You think it's important to pray when you're in front of people or around people, but then you go home and you forget God. You should reverse that. Before you ever come to here, <laughs> you should have done prayed there. <laughs> it's a relationship thing. 
So he says we need to change our attitude of prayer. We need to make this importance. We need to surround prayer with value. It's important to talk to our Father in heaven. And he's like, when you pray, don't pray for an audience. Pray for the audience. Pray for God. So go in and get away from everybody else, every distraction, every temptation. Get away from that and get in a room and shut the door, shut everything else out, and then just talk to your Father there's this relational word again. Jesus could call him anything. He didn't say my father. He said your father. He's talking to these people. And, and here is Jesus' father. And, and he automatically flips it to us. And he says, talk to your father. Talk to your dad. Talk to daddy again, right? When you pray, who are you praying to? You're praying to your father. You're talking to daddy. That's such an amazing thing, isn't it? Some of us have issues with that. And I get that because some of us have had dads that have just been less than spectacular. That harsh dads, mean dads, absent dads, dads that would only come around when it was like a holiday or something, dads that just left you flat out, maybe dads that you don't know. And we hear that and we're like, well, God's just another that. Right? Like if my dad was absent and God is my father, then God is absent. And I just, why bother with it? If my dad only came when he, you know, thought it was important, then God's only going to come when he thinks it's important. Why bother with it? Can I just say, like, God is not some, like, a little better version of your earthly father. He's, like, the perfected version of your earthly father. And you might have had the best dad, but, like, daddy, God, is better. And when we pray, we're talking to this God, this dad who loves us unconditionally, who who loves us in a way that you'll, like, never understand, and I will never wrap my mind around. I don't think we'll even begin to understand the love of God until we get to heaven and we see really what it cost him to send his son. And then for eternity, we're going to be blown away every day, grace after grace after grace for all eternity because we're still going to be, God, what is, what is this? Like, that's how much God loves us, and that's who we're talking to when we, when we get alone with him. Like, what, what does dad want? Well, dad wants to spend time with us, right? He's a father who delights in us and delights in time with us. And if we get alone with God, God will get alone with us. It's just true. We're talking to this daddy who is for us, who wants what's best for us, not what we think is best for us, but what truly is best for us. And it's amazing because not only does he want what's best for us, he knows what's best for us. Who's, who's for us, who's on our side, who's not against us. That's who we're talking to. And Jesus says, get alone with dad. When you pray, like, don't, don't worry about them. Don't worry about, like, who's impressed by that. Don't worry about your words. It's not about, like, how you, how you start the prayer. It's not about how you end the prayer. It's not even about what's in the middle. Like, prayer in itself is just get along with Dad. You don't have to say anything, right? Just, Dad, I'm here. I'm here. I don't want to be with you. I've shut out everything else because I want to be with you. I've shut the door to the world because, Dad, more than anything else, I want to be with you. That's what prayer is. he says, when you pray, because God's people pray. God's people value prayer. God's people realize that like, prayer is not something we have to do. It's something that's an amazing opportunity that we get to do. It's like a miracle that I can just talk to God right now and he just hears me. Isn't that amazing? Like that right now, like that, that I can just, hey, Dad, hey, God, hey, hey. And I don't have to worry about like if he's listening to me. He's just listening. Yeah. And I don't even have to worry about if he's going to answer me. 
See, when you realize that it's dad and he loves you and he wants what's best for you, you don't have to worry about if he's going to answer you. Of course he's going to answer you. Because it's his love that motivates that, not my prayer. He says, get alone with your father. Get alone with daddy who's in secret. What's he saying? God's not a secret. What he's saying is that God that's in the secret place. Get alone with God and God will get alone with you. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Your father who sees in secret will answer you, is what he's saying. I love that. You, you see how like matter of fact Jesus is with this? He's like, get alone with dad and dad will answer. He doesn't say, get alone with dad and dad will think about it. Get alone with dad and he'll weigh the options. Get alone with dad and if you've been good enough this week, like maybe he'll pat you on the back and do the thing that you're asking for. Get alone with dad who really cares about your language as you pray. He doesn't say any of that, does he? He says, get alone with dad and dad will answer. Get alone with dad and dad will reward. Get alone with dad and you're going to see the benefit to getting alone with dad is what he's saying. If, if you will take the time out of your life to value prayer and because of that really just to value God. If you'll take the time to get alone and just say, God, I don't really care about any of this stuff for five minutes. Maybe that's what you got at first. You'll never, never be a five-minute prayer again, by the way. If you'll just get alone with God and you'll just shut out the whole world and say, you know what, Dad, I don't even really care what happens in the next few minutes. I just want you and I just want to spend some time with you. So here I am. I just want you to know today that not my words, but Jesus' words. What's he say? Dad will make it worth it. But I got so much stuff to do. Dad will make it worth it. But I'm just so busy. Dad will make it worth it. But I don't know if I can. Dad will make it worth it. I just got to. Dad will make it worth it is what he's saying. I know it because I do it. Like this is Jesus who repeatedly goes and gets alone with God. Jesus is the most busy person that's ever existed on the planet, by the way. 33 and a half years, completely devoted to ministry, didn't take vacations, right? Like he was just all the time out there. And every once in a while, he would just get alone with God. And he'd be like, you guys just stay right here. I need some dad time. You can watch. You can be around. I'm not doing it for you. Like we have prayers of Jesus recorded in the Bible. People were there. And God answered those prayers. But his attitude was not, Peter, I need you to hear this because I need you to tell me that I'm the son of God and I'm the best prayer there's ever been. His attitude was, I'm getting along with dad. And you should too. Because I guarantee you, if you'll just get along with dad, dad will make it worth it. Man, dad will teach you stuff that you've never even begun to realize about himself. Because you know what? Through prayer, through this relationship comes revelation. If you want to know about God, get along with God. Who, Who better to teach you about God than God? You can stand up and listen to an imperfect man tell you what God has shown him. But man, my vision is short too. I've never stood in front of God, but God who is God knows everything about God. And if we'll get alone with God, God will teach us about God. That's how it works. Through relationship comes revelation. It's just true. 
comes reliance, right? God, I'm asking you for this, Dad. I know, I know that you can do it, and I know I need it. I'm asking you for this. What comes out of that? God answers prayers. Get alone with him. It'll, he'll make it worth it. You know, it's amazing when God reveals himself to us, he also reveals ourself to us. Repentance comes through prayer. You get alone with God and you let God start talking to you about the deep things in your heart and see if God doesn't change your life. You're fed up with you. Reading the Bible, man, I believe there's a source of life here and it'll help, but it's not going to help without prayer too. Because without prayer, what is it? I'm reading things and I'm trying to do things. I need God to do things. All of our resources, all of our relationship, all, all of our repentance, all that comes from alone time with God. And if we'll do the alone time with God thing, there'll be a revolution in our life. God will change us in a way that a year from now we won't even recognize who we are today. And Jesus is saying today, don't pray for people. Just get along with God. I need the words, Brad. No, it's not about words. That's a hypocritical idea. You need to get alone and you say, Daddy, teach me how to pray. Dad, I don't know how to pray. Teach me to pray. God, I don't know what I need. Teach me what I need. God, I don't even know who I am. Teach me who I am. And God, I don't know who you are, but I believe that you can teach me who you are. Get alone with Daddy is what Jesus is saying. It's not, it's not, a, it's not a rule book. It's not some checkoff list. It's not some formula. It's, it's an attitude of God, you are so valuable.